For over a decade, LifePoint Church has been serious about our call to help people connect with God. That mission has kept us focused and helped us to effectively share the message of Christ. Thousands of lives have been changed, marriages have been healed, addictions have been broken, and people have found hope, freedom, and forgiveness through Jesus. As we look to the past, amazed at what God has done, we look expectantly to our future, believing that God has far more to do in us and through us, as a people, as a church, and with our future. We are unfinished. Well, good morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're here for the first time, I would love to meet you after the service. If you could come down front and introduce yourself, that would be great. So at age 25, uh, I gave up. I surrendered. I completely gave up my life of being a single guy because I was in, madly in love with this girl. And if you knew the whole story, you'd be saying, you got lucky. And I did. But I surrendered one thing because I valued something so much better. We're going to talk about surrender today and what that means. Now, everybody knows what surrender means a little bit. Like uh, when you were a kid or you remember when your kids would stand on the diving board or stand on the side of the pool and, and you were inside and you were saying, jump, mom, dad, whoever, I'll catch you. I will catch you. Jump, jump, honey. And there's looking at you like, this ain't happening. But if they finally made the jump, what they determined was they were willing to surrender the safety of dry ground for the confidence that you were going to catch them. And if you were one of those little jumpers, you remember the courage it took to finally make that leap. We see athletes all the time. They will surrender their body for what's best for the team or so they can win the game. Parents, if you have gone through the life-changing experience of teaching a teenager to drive, you know that there was a time where you had to surrender everything and sit not in the driver's seat, but in the passenger seat. Your prayer life probably got better. You know, Lord Jesus, you know, you probably said that multiple times, but you surrendered the comfort of you being in control for saying, I want my child to grow. I want him to learn this. And so I'm going to surrender and pray for this next phase of life. And when a criminal is caught and they're saying, come out with what? Come out with your hands up. What it means is I I surrender or in a war, finally one side says, we can't win, let's just surrender. So when we make this decision to surrender, what we're doing is giving up the authority we have or authority we think we have, and we put that authority in the hands of another. Now that can be scary because you don't always know if you can trust where you're submitting authority to, or you don't know how it's going to turn out. It can be scary because why would you willingly give up power and control outside of yourself? Because most of us would say, I don't want anybody calling the shots except me. I'm the one that wants to call the shots. 
And so when I surrender, I'm giving up authority for something or someone else to do that in my life. And so our church is on this journey called Unfinished that you just heard Patrick and Carla talk about. And what we're asking everybody to do is ask God to reveal to them where they are unfinished. We want 100% of everyone to do that. If you just do that and you don't participate in any other way, God will work in your life. Because being unfinished, it's not It's not just this one-time thing where you say, I'm unfinished, God finished me. Now, for salvation, yes, he saves you, he makes you holy, he makes you pure, he makes you righteous, but then there's this lifetime of learning to live into what all of that means, of growing in our knowledge and growing in our understanding and having less of ourselves in control and more of him in control of our life. It all comes from a section of scripture in the book of Philippians, chapter 1 beginning at verse six, and I want us to read this out loud together. It says, and I am certain, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. So by saying, God, I'm unfinished, what we're saying is, God, I want to continue to grow. I want to grow in my understanding of what it means to be saved by your grace and mercy. I want to continue to grow in my knowledge of what it means to live as a follower of Christ in my generation. I want to continue to grow in that. And I never want to sit back and say, I have achieved all that God wants me to achieve. I can just live it up now. And so when we start to talk about surrender, what we're saying is God wants each of us to surrender our will to his. But what does that look like? I mean, what does it mean to really surrender to Jesus? Because I've been following him for a long time, and I can tell you, it is still a struggle. It's a struggle for me as a pastor, as a teacher, to surrender my will to his. So for a few weeks, we've been talking about generosity, and we've been talking about money, and that is uncomfortable. You think you're uncomfortable? Try it from my side. To to talk about it for several weeks in a row, but the reality is, that's one of the ways many of us, if not most of us, are the most unfinished, is understanding how this whole generosity, material wealth, how all of that works in our life. And what we're supposed to do with it. And so for me, it's a constant struggle to say, God, I'm going to surrender what you want to be said over what I want to be said. I'm just going to surrender. We're going to look at a, a guy in scripture who had the opportunity and began with a desire to follow Christ. It's in the New Testament book of Matthew. And this young man who was rich And he was referred to as the rich young ruler. He comes up to Jesus and he has a question. He had heard Jesus teach. He respected what Jesus had to say. And so he has this question. And it starts in verse 16. It says this. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? 
Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And so this young man at this point has to be thinking, I've so got this. This is, that's all I, I've already, I'm already doing that. I've been living that since I was a little boy. And he's got to start to feel better and better with each thing that Jesus lists off. He's thinking about what a good guy he is and how he does all of those things and doesn't do the things that he's not supposed to do. And so he says, I've obeyed all these commandments. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. What? Everything? Give it all up? Can I just fill out a card with something on it? I mean, does that have to be everything? Think of the context. Here's this bright, wealthy, young religious guy, and he comes to Jesus and he says, what good thing must I do? In other words, what, what amount of check must I write? Tell me what I need to do, because I'm good at doing stuff. Just tell me the cost, Jesus, and I'll write the check. Because I'm already doing all these things, and I know it's just one more thing I need to do to have eternal life, so tell me how much. And then Jesus calls his bluff and said, all of it. Just empty it out and give it to the poor. Now, I think this command from Jesus is, is somewhat arbitrary that it's money, but Jesus is identifying where his treasure is. Because he said, you want to have treasure in heaven, then here's what you need to do. Clearly, this young man had confidence in his ability to be accurate in obeying the right things and not doing the wrong things. And he thought, well, here's this Jesus. He's got one more thing. He's offering eternal life. I'll just take that. And Jesus says, no, I want everything. I want, I want your heart. Two-thirds of the time, Jesus told stories. It was about money and possessions. Two-thirds. Oh, Jesus, why you got to talk so much about that stuff? And then that makes my pastor have to talk about it. Why do you do that? He does that because he knows the number one competitor for our hearts. He knows what it'll be. It'll be the things that we see around us. He knows that we'll find confidence in what's in our bank account. He knows that that confidence can replace the confidence we should have in him to take care of us and to make sure we're all right. He knows that that confidence can be displaced by our stuff and he can be pushed out of the way because, hey, I got all this security. Do you know what the greatest obstacle to surrender is? Me. You. It's the person you see in the mirror. That's the greatest obstacle to complete and total surrender to Christ. It's you. You know who stands to gain the most from your complete and total surrender to Christ? You. You benefit the most by completely surrendering. Because when I surrender... Life gets better. 
It doesn't mean bad things don't happen, but when I completely and fully surrender and say, God, this is your life. God, this is all your money. This is all your stuff. All the intelligence and the gifts and all the things you've given me, they're all for you. When you surrender all of that to God, life gets better. You know what gets easier when you surrender to God? Forgiveness gets easier because you realize how much you've been forgiven, so it's a lot easier to forgive other people. And if you struggle with this anger that's inside of you about something, when you completely and totally surrender to God and you realize the depths you were when he said you are forgiven, it's easier to deal with anger. And if you've got a regret or a hurt that you just can't seem to get past and you judge everybody by that regret or hurt that you have, complete and total surrender will help you put that behind you. So surrender is not just about money. In this guy's case, it was because that's what had gripped his heart. That's what he was putting between himself and God. And Jesus knew something that the people around wouldn't have recognized because he was a good guy. Jesus knew that money was the real God of this man's life. And so he asked him to do two things. Surrender your resources. Right now, you want to follow me? Surrender your resources. And then surrender your life. Come and follow me. Until you're ready to surrender, you are not ready to follow Jesus. See, Jesus knew that the degree to which he was willing to surrender his resources was the degree to which he was going to be willing to follow Christ with his life. So what Jesus is saying is, let's see how much you really want to follow me. Let's, let's just see. Because surrender of my stuff is closely linked to surrendering my life. Now, is it possible to surrender my money and not surrender my life? Absolutely it is. But it's impossible to surrender your life to Jesus and not say, Jesus, everything I have, everything I am, I want to surrender to you. I'm holding nothing back. Those of you who are married, what if you stood that day at the altar and you said, more or less, I, I, I commit to being faithful to you? That wouldn't have been enough. Like, whoever you're committing to, guys, she should have said, uh, that's not how it's going to work in this arrangement. Like it's complete and total commitment. And when it comes to following Christ, it's complete and total surrender. And when I surrender my life to Christ and to the leadership of Christ and the lordship of Christ, part of that is surrendering my resources to him. Jesus knows that generosity frees our hearts because our hearts follow our resources. Your hearts follow the thing that you're most concerned about in your life. And for some people, it is money. For some people, it's something else. But your, whatever it is, your heart will follow it. The next verse says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He couldn't do it. Jesus asked him to surrender something he was not willing to surrender. And he just thought, I can't do it. And so when you start to think about generosity, if this fear, anger, if, if you start to just have this well up inside of you like, I just can't give it up, Jesus is saying, surrender that and follow me. 
You know why he couldn't do it? He had obeyed. He had obeyed God his whole life. He probably was a tither because he obeyed all of the law, and part of that was giving 10% of your income. So he was already someone who gave, but Jesus knew what stood between fully following him and where this guy stood, and he knew it was his stuff. So he had obeyed God, but he had never fully surrendered to God. He thought, in his own mind, he was further along because he came up to Jesus with this confidence. Hey, tell me what I need to do to get eternal life because I'm good at doing stuff. So just tell me what to do. And Jesus says, well, just empty out your bank account and things will be great. And at that moment, this young man had to start thinking, man, I thought I was further along than that. I can't do it. I love this quote by author and pastor Erwin McManus. He says this, when you stay where you are, you stay who you are. See, any significant change that comes in our life, whether it's getting over something from the past, whether it's being more generous, whatever it is, we can't stay where we are and expect God to change us. When you made a decision, if you're a follower of Christ, you, you should have changed the way you thought. You should have changed the way you viewed the future. Because if you didn't want to change all of that, then what's the value in following Christ? If you thought, well, I'm just going to stay the way I am, but I'm just going to have this label Christian on me now. I would say all of us who at some point said, I want to follow Jesus, you had a change in your life that you wanted to make. And you can't make significant change in life by staying where you are. I mean, that's true when we talk about baptism. After this service... There's already some people that are going to get baptized when, we're, when we wrap up here in, in a little bit. And maybe you're one of those people that you're going to today say, you know, I need to surrender and I've never done that. That's what baptism shows is a full, complete surrender. I give my life to Christ, buried in the waters of baptism, raised to walk a new life. It's surrendering. And occasionally people will come along and they'll say, I have followed Christ for many years, but somehow I missed out on that. I didn't hear about it. I didn't understand the interpretation of Scripture at that point. And so I never, I never followed Christ in baptism. And I want to do that. And some people come and say, I can't because of what my parents believed or my grandparents believed. So I, I can't make this decision. And then some people say, you know what? This is my decision about my faith. And I surrendered to Jesus with everything I have. And so I'm going to follow him when it comes to this command of being baptized. And some of you have that opportunity to surrender and do that. Well, everybody has that opportunity that hasn't today. And the same is true when it comes to giving. This guy went away sad. Nothing in his life changed simply because he couldn't surrender. He couldn't, he couldn't say, I, I'm willing to give this up. So what is it in your life that you can't give up? Is it, I can't give up my fear of getting dunked in the water. <laughs> I can't give up my fear of being up in front of people. I can't, give up, uh, I can't give up holding this grudge. I can't give up my addiction because it brings me so much relief in life. Whatever it is, just fill in the blank. What is it you can't give up? That's where you need to surrender. That's your wealth, whatever that is. Maybe it is your wealth or it's something else. 
Then Jesus said, one of the hardest teachings he said in all of everything that he said and was recorded about him. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, I'll tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, if rich is defined as having more than you need, then all of us are in trouble according to what Jesus just said. And what Jesus is saying is for a person like this rich guy who asked me what task to do and I told him to do it, it's actually easier to take a camel and cram it through the eye of a needle than for this guy to have eternal life. So he's saying some people are going to love money and possessions so much that it will prevent them from fully surrendering to me and it will prevent them from having eternal life with me. And so, just like if, if I was there, here's what I would have said. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. That's what I would have said. I'd say, excuse me, Jesus. Like, that's a pretty high bar. Like, I don't know if I can hit that. Is Jesus setting the bar so high that we can't possibly hit it? Yes, he is. It's set so high that you can't do enough, you can't write a check big enough, and you can't work hard enough for him to say, all right, you've given enough, you've worked hard enough, now you can have eternal life with me. So who can be saved? If the bar is high and I can't give enough or do enough or be active enough, it says Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, this is impossible. It's impossible for you to give enough or for you to do enough or to share your gifts enough or to read your Bible enough or to pray enough or to come to church enough times. Humanly speaking, it's impossible for you to have eternal life. Impossible. Then he goes on to say, but with God, everything is possible. Humanly speaking, you surrendering everything you have, that's ridiculous. Think about how could we do that? I need to eat. I need to have a house. I need to have transportation. I want to have some fun with this money that I earn. Humanly speaking, you can't surrender everything to God enough for him to say, okay, now I'll let you into heaven. But he says, with God, everything is possible. Everything. So that thing that you've held in your heart whether it's regret or grief or unforgiveness or greediness, whatever it is you've held inside of your heart, you don't have the power to get rid of it. You don't have the power to go through enough steps to totally free your life where it's supposed to be. But with God, all things are possible. With God, you can get past that hurt. With God, you can give and, give and receive forgiveness. With God, you can be a generous person. With God, all things are possible in our life. With God, you can get past whatever your hangups are in life. Surrender is not possible without God's power. When, when I talk about baptism, it means nothing but getting dunked in the water without the power and the Holy Spirit of God. That's when it means 
complete and full surrender. Forgiveness. Without the power of God, it won't happen. And yes, money and generosity. It's different when the power of God is involved with your desire to be generous or your discipline to be generous. With us, with man, it's impossible. All the things that we say we're going to do through this unfinished journey, all the things we say we're going to do, not possible without God. Not at all possible. Humanly speaking, won't happen. But when God's involved, it'll happen. Ask yourself this question, can Jesus really get 100% of me when I'm still holding on to something I call mine? Whether that's material or immaterial. See, so this, this whole journey called Unfinished that we're going to be on for the next couple of years, it's going to define our church for the next decade. It's not about the church being after your money. It's about 100% of us surrendering all parts of our lives to Jesus. And whatever the results are from that, he will take those results and he will make massive change in our lives and in our community and in our world because we were willing to say, I'm just going to surrender it to you. This rich guy, he was forever defined not by what he did give. He was defined by what he didn't give. So here's the question when it comes to generosity. The same thing this young man was dealing with. What am I not giving and why? What am I not fully surrendering to God? Is it my time? Could it be the talents that he's blessed me with? Could it be my financial resources? See, because surrender is not about dollar amounts. It's about honoring God with 100% of what I have. See, somebody that has very little can honor God with 100% of what they have. And somebody that has a lot can honor God with 100% of what they have. And so when we talk about generosity and we talk about giving money and making financial commitments, you may be going through a very difficult time. You might have just lost a job. You might have health issues. You might be taking care of an aging parent. You can deal with all of that and still surrender 100% of what you have to God. If it was about amounts, you couldn't. It's about total and complete surrender. And here's what the guy in the story missed that we cannot miss. Write this down if you're taking notes. When I'm willing to give up everything I have, I'm ready to follow Jesus with everything I am. How do you follow Jesus with everything you are? Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It is impossible to put others before ourselves on a consistent basis. You will most of the time choose you first. But with God, all things are possible. It is impossible for me to forgive and really let it go without the power of God. Humanly speaking, it doesn't work. It's impossible for me to make myself uncomfortable for the sake of others humanly speaking, but with God, all things are possible. All of these things are possible when we say, Jesus, this is all yours, my gifts, my talents, my time, and yes, my money. It's all yours. Maybe you've heard of 
this couple named Millard and Linda Fuller. In his book, Millard tells the story about becoming a millionaire by the age of 29, back when a million dollars was a lot more than a million dollars is today. And at age 29, he had bought everything he could buy. He'd bought everything for his wife he could buy, everything she could possibly want. And he comes home one Saturday and he found a note announcing that she was leaving. And so he went after her. And he catches up with her in New York City. She's in a hotel. They sit down, they start to talk, and they stay up till the wee hours of the morning talking about how they'd gotten to this place where she just didn't want to be in the marriage anymore. And she began to express that all the things they were doing, all the things they were buying, all that society told them they needed because they had all of this money had just left her cold and empty. And while all of her friends thought all this stuff would be so satisfying, she was saying, I'm cold and empty. My heart is empty. My spirit is burned out. And I want to live again. She said, that's why I left. So that night, the two of them knelt by their bed in the hotel and they prayed. And out of that prayer, they decided they were going to sell everything and live a different way. And so the next day was Sunday. So they show up at a church. They found this nearest church they could go to. And they go in to pray and worship and thank God for their new beginning. And they decided they were going to go share with the minister of that church what they believed God had told them to do, to give it all away. And then Millard writes these words. He said, the minister told us it was not necessary to give up everything, but he just didn't understand. We weren't giving up money and the things money could buy. We were just giving up. We were giving up. And Millard and Linda went on from there to start an organization you may have heard of called Habitat for Humanity. All because they said, we are willing to surrender all that we have to God's purposes. And now you can look back at at least that organization and you can see how it has brought light into people's lives. You can see how it has turned total families around because that couple said, We are going to surrender everything we are and everything we have to Jesus. Just imagine when we can look back years from now and we'll remember this this journey that we went through as a church where it's a little uncomfortable because I'm not sure of everything and I'm not sure about all this. And I like that part. I don't like that part. And, but I'm going to be generous towards it. And we're generous together and we declare before God we're unfinished. And then we look back years from now and there's a whole new generation of people here because of the sacrifice and the surrender that we all made. And now they know Jesus. I think they would look back with affinity and say, I thank God for those people at that time that took the risk, that took the challenge, that got uncomfortable and changed. See, there was a group of people long before any of you were around said the same thing. We said, let's, let's continue to move forward as a church because God has so much more for us. So what am I willing to give up and surrender For some, it's money for the first time. For some, it's working and giving your gifts like you never have before. And when I'm willing to give up everything I have, that's when I'm willing to follow Jesus and ready to follow Jesus with everything I am. 
Imagine if we all go before God and say, this is all yours. God, I surrender all of it. It all belongs to you. All your gifts and passions, everything. So next Sunday is our commitment day where we will all, if you don't have one of these, you'll get one next week or you can pick up one today at the Welcome Center. We're going to make commitments. And these cards are pretty self-explanatory, how to, how to fill them out. If you have any trouble, just contact one of the staff people and say, hey, help me figure out how to fill this out. These cards will represent where you're unfinished when it comes to your financial picture. When it comes to, hey, what am I willing to sacrifice, to surrender financially? And that'll be different amounts for everybody because I don't know everybody's story. Maybe your amount is a lot because you've got all this stuff to give. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Whatever it is, let it represent surrender. Your commitment, your surrender will help more people find Jesus. Because every time I've seen people step up and say, I give this totally and completely and fully to Christ, others' lives change. And so that's going to happen again, and it's going to move the mission of our church forward because you use your gifts and you give your resources, and God uses that, uses our surrender to move the mission of his church forward. So next week, come ready. All of us come ready to say, here's my commitment. And here's what I'm going to help make happen. Now, this is not like a legal commitment. You know, we're not going to be knocking on your door or anything. But this is, this is you saying, God, this is what I'm going to do. It is a commitment to him. It's a commitment to your church. So as you get ready to surrender, ask God, where am I finished? Where do I need to totally and completely surrender to you? Let's pray. God, thank you for this story that reminds us what it looks like to surrender. And God, surrender is hard. And we acknowledge it's a journey and not just this one-time thing, but it's even hard to go on that journey. And I pray for every person in this room, as moment by moment they determine what surrender looks like for them. And they fill out these cards and we bring them back to you next week and say, God, this is my surrender to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.